As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's Straight out of Cobham, a show all about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, Malmo mashed in mare match. We look ahead to Burnley at the bridge this weekend. And, oh, Antonio, how could you? Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight out of Cobham. Here we go again then. Let's have a chat about Chelsea, shall we? It would be pretty dull if it was just me. Luckily, I've got some of the brightest minds in football with three-letter abbreviations of their first names with me. Uh, From The Athletic, it's Dom Fifield. (laughs) Good morning. How are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. Uh, Alongside Dom, the former Chelsea youth, Sam Parkin. Hi, Sam. Good morning, Matt. All right, before we go not very deep on a not very interesting game in Sweden, let's have a chat about Spurs' new manager, because once again, they've gone for one of Chelsea's old gaffers. Diego Costa has had a lot to say uh, this week. He feels that he's been treated like a criminal. Uh, He's (laughs) been returned to Atletico Madrid. Uh, He's calling on Chelsea to lower their (laughs) arms. It's great, it's great, it's great, yeah. (laughs) I prefer to love. I'm very happy for the club because I don't forget that the the club uh, trusts me and uh, to repay uh, the club uh, is uh, is uh, is very important for uh, for me. Antonio Conte, then the new Spurs boss. Uh, Dom, I note that it's 18 months with an option. That kind of tells you we need to know about the combustible nature of Antonio Conte and in particular his uh, newly formed relationship with Daniel Levy. First impressions, do you think this is going to last long? <laughs> it's a really good question. I, I, instinct says no, but I guess it will just depend on, on how much of a guarantee that Conte's been given that, that he can reshape this this squad to make it what he wants it to be and how many resources Spurs actually have 
to operate with in the market, um, whether that be January or more likely next summer. He's uh, looking back at his his two years at Chelsea. It, it, you know, two very different seasons. Um, the initial impression was was amazing, glorious. I mean, this is this, this, the intensity of the man, and when things were going right, the, the momentum that his team built up was was something else. I mean. It's it's right up there with with the the best seasons that Chelsea have had in the under Abramovich in the in the Premier League that 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 first title winning campaign and the you know seeing that the turnaround we always talk about half time at the Arsenal game when they were three 0 down and and he switched the formation at the break but the the drilling that the, the the actual the intensity of the training the the work I think he used the word work or one of its derivatives I think it was 32 times in his his inaugural press conference as Chelsea manager it went on for about an hour and it, it that just summed him up that's what he got he got his play he talked to his players from that period it was all about monotonous intensity work on the training ground get this right the, the, the training sessions were completely stop start because if any one player wandered slightly out of position in the newly adopted 343 he would stop the session and get them to move those 5 yards to the left or 5 yards to the right and but it it they grasped it they they got it he transformed players like Victor Moses into right wing back and Marcus Alonso who didn't really arrive with much of a fanfare, let's be honest, but from Fiorentina. And yet he at the end of that season he looked like a world beating left wing back, um, scoring goals, creating chances. And the momentum with that that side gained was just something something else. And to go from that to the whole political side of, of Antonio Conte and the you know, not getting what he wants um, in the market and, and the upgrades that he felt were required, the Van Dykes, the Romelu Lukaku's that summer to, to build on the title-winning success and with the prospect of Champions League football and indeed European football of any kind uh, to come in the, in the following year, then you just saw the other the, the flip side of him and, and something that I think Spurs fans will be braced for at some stage because... I think at most of his his clubs that 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 has happened at some at some point. He's he's rubbed people up the wrong way, managing up the club. Um, but I, I just think I just look back fondly at that two years because it was just it was just madness from the start to finish, and in a good way, and then in a very political way afterwards. And it just added to the whole drama of covering Chelsea. Yeah, it was a brilliant time to cover the club. I particularly liked in that second season where he started turning up to press conferences in his training gear to make the point that I'm the coach, not the manager. Just those subtle little digs that he used to give all the time. Um, Sam, presumably those kind of laborious training sessions that, that Dom's referencing there, they're easier for players to swallow when the person giving them can say, well, I won Serie A last season, I've won the Premier League before, you know, show us your medals type of thing. That means that you can get away with kind of mind-numbing, difficult sessions for players, perhaps? Well, yeah, I think the way that he, he quickly reinvented Chelsea in a, in a new style um, and the way they succeeded in that first season, you'd be a fool not to listen to this guy. But, I mean, if the Tottenham fans are thinking this is going to be a, a return to, I'm not going to come up with an era, but, you know, swashbuckling football, Aussie Ardiles, isn't it? That's the go-to. Um it's not, is it really? It's very regimented. It gets results. Um, it's all about the work ethic. You you can you think of Antonio Conte, you picture him in the in the technical area, absolutely lambasting his players, just orchestrated the press. That that's what I think of straight away, you know, so animated. So it's not going to be free scoring stuff, but 
it's surely going to be better than what's been served up there. But I think I agree with Dom. It's probably going to be as good as the players he's able to bring in. I think the the transfer business at, at Spurs over the last couple of years has been a disaster. Nothing short. I mean, I'm not going to go through the players now, but I can't really think of anyone who's been a success the last few years. So he needs to improve that squad to get it somewhere near the level that Chelsea were when he came into that position. And if he can do that, then of course there's a great chance of them improving and uh, and succeeding with this appointment. I think the fact he turned it around so quickly in that first season, from, admittedly he had a good start. The first, I think he won his first three Premier League games at Chelsea and then it dipped. Um, but to change the, the, the tactics, I mean, there must have been some preparatory work in the build-up. They must have tried three at the back in those first few weeks of the season, you know, um, before they actually switched to it formally at, at Arsenal. But that that's bode well in terms of getting an instant upturn in 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 Spurs' fortunes. He will be able to do that. And I mean, you mentioned the um, lambasting of the players. I, I remember talking to Eden Hazard in that first season. So when things were going right and going well, and um, Hazard was talking about the constant shouting from the sidelines, and obviously one of the halves of of the game, he would be the closest player to Conte um, and he, he he was saying things like you know it was such a blessed relief to be on the other side you know in the, the other half just to get away from him for a bit and there was one game where he <laughs> they looked they looked round they looked round at Conte he was doing his nut he was absolutely raging on the sidelines screaming at players and even as I was there going bloody hell boss we're 4-0 up what's the problem just chill out a bit but that's the man it was just the intensity of it and the sort of fury in his eyes it was and it, and it yeah it was demanding of, of results and, and, and demanding of performances and you know if anybody's standards dipped even the slightest he just wasn't having it It'd be interesting to see what the, the impact of this on his Chelsea legacy is. I guess we won't really be able to, to measure that until he's finished his time at Tottenham and we see how he does. January 22nd, by the way, is the date at the moment when Chelsea will play Tottenham at Stamford Bridge and Antonio Conte will return. All right, that's quite enough about Spurs. Let's get on to Malmo, shall we? Habits found a good ball. Hudson Adoy can use his pace. He's got Ziyech waiting in the middle. And Chelsea are one up. Hakim Ziyech, beautiful goal. Wonderfully fashioned. And Ziyech to finish it off. And Malmo's brave resistance is broken. Malmo nil, Chelsea won in Sweden on Tuesday. They're not saying it wasn't a thriller, but Simon's post-match piece for The Athletic was about an unused sub from the game. Uh, We'll get to that soon. Uh, But first of the match, Chelsea got the win, which was the main thing. Bit of concern, Sam, though, that they only scored one goal after having 22 shots and 73% possession, or is that irrelevant as long as you get the three points? I don't think so. To be honest, um, you know, looking back at some of the major incidents, if I can call them that, um, this morning, Kai Havertz had two really good opportunities, presentable chances. Um, It's always difficult when you're playing against a team that's set up so defensively stringent. And it's maybe a little bit too simplistic, but if you haven't got an out-and-out striker, that takes away the tendency to put balls in early and to flash balls across the area. And I did note there was only, well, there was 14 deliveries um, from, from open play, only one from the left-hand side, which I thought was quite interesting that Marcus Alonso didn't deliver at all. I, th- I think if you've got Lukaku in there and you're playing against a team that's so deep, um, sometimes that can and catch out the opponents or at least give the centre forward something to go and attack. So it all had to be really precise through the eye of a needle stuff, which I thought in the the first half, they made a few opportunities. Um, and obviously the, the goal came due to a, 
a tactical switch in the second half. So, no, I, I don't think there's too much concern. Uh, more because they've produced a couple of great performances recently against Norwich and Newcastle where the goals really racked up. So I wouldn't be too concerned. In terms of news lines from, from the game, Dom, I guess it was all about the wide players here. So you had hudson Adoy with that absolutely beautiful cross for Ziyech for the goal. And, and we're pleased to have a good news story about Hakeem Ziyech finally this season. But also in a kind of spectre for those two at the feast was the return of Christian Pulisic. And Sam's spoken about what maybe Chelsea have missed it during his absence. So Thomas Tuchel will be heartened to have got him back on the pitch for a little while, given how many people are still unavailable to him. Definitely. I think he got 16 minutes, didn't he? But I think largely playing through the middle when he came on, which was interesting, because that, that, if, if that's where he considers him at the best with, with the personnel available at the moment, when you've got a Hudson-Odoi and a Ziyech uh, in the squad and hopefully Mason Mount coming back soon enough, um, if Pulisic can operate through, through the centre and maybe ease some of the workload that's being placed on Kai Havertz at the moment in the absence of Lukaku and Werner, then then that would be a an added bonus. I mean he's going to be rusty, let's be honest. He's he's um he's not played since the start of the season. Um but the States will want him, I would have thought, for their their qualifying games coming up. Um so it'll be very interesting to see how much game time he gets against Burnley, a, a team that he's flourished against in the past, obviously with a hat trick up at Turf Moor a few few seasons back. So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that goes. And in terms of the others, Hudson Odoi and Ziyech, yes, a bit of a, a switch to the opposite flanks to actually prize the goal at, away from um, from Malmo. Um, and and, and the, the fact that, that that sort of some of the play was getting a bit stodgy and they were having to cut back onto their other other foot to to get the delivery in, and that was sort of delaying Chelsea's um, delivery into the box. I mean, that that sounds like a bit of a a master stroke, a very simple master stroke, but a, a little tweak made by Arno Michels at at, uh, at, at half time, and 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 Tuchel bought into that as he's as he's wont to do, always open to suggestions from his staff. So that worked brilliantly. Lovely goal, it will boost for for Callum Hudson Odoi's confidence, and and undoubtedly for Ziyech's, um, a player that hasn't been playing particularly well of late. Um, Tuchel's made a point, laboured the point that he's still uncomfortable after the shoulder injury that he picked up in the UEFA Super Cup. But I think the odd goal here and there will make him soon forget that. Um, and Chelsea could do with him firing, to be honest, because he's he's a player that we've we've seen flashes of occasionally, but we we could do with a a consistent run of form from him to to justify both the fee and the reputation. Yeah, twenty eight years old, you feel it's kind of now or never for his. Chelsea career. You probably say say the same about Ruben Loftus-Cheek as well. Interesting quotes from Tuchel post-match on Ruben. He said, I was a bit worried in the first 15 minutes if Ruben can find another gear. Uh, he did add, I'm very happy with him. Next step is to show consistency and push himself. I note, Sam, that Ruben said after the match that he's no longer thinking about the injuries that he's had and, and he's just concentrating on on playing and, and holding down a place in the team. And, and this is, I know we've said it a hundred times before, but this is make or break time for him, isn't it? 26 in January. If he's going to be an elite level footballer, whether that's at Chelsea or elsewhere, he's got to kind of prove it this season, surely. Yeah, I think he's doing that though, Matt. I think, you know, the one error the other night was just, you know, he didn't check his shoulder. He played the pass the wrong way. Um, nine times out of 10 at the moment, he's kind of picking the right option. And if he'd have turned on his left shoulder, he'd probably be away, away again, bursting towards the opposition's um, defensive line. So no, I, I've been really encouraged. I think even in that second half, he produced one 
brilliant bit of quick feet in the box, got a shot away. Um, played a lovely pass actually in the first half at Havertz for one of those opportunities that he should have scored. So the only nagging doubt in your mind is is about injury. But, you know, if he can stay fit, um, I thought the... The flashes so far this season have been have been superb. I think he's been been excellent in in a lot of the games and really encouraged that he can continue to do so. So I don't have any worries if he stays fit. I think he he stays at this level even if he was a player that was um, you know going to leave Chelsea at some stage. I think there'd be another team in the top six that would probably take a gamble on him just because his the components of his game are so strong. Before we move on from Malmo, there was another Chelsea academy lad on the bench, Harvey Vale in a Champions League squad. For the first time, having also made the bench against Southampton in the Carabao Cup last week, Simon's written about him for the Athletics, specifically Chelsea's desire to ensure he doesn't follow the likes of Bate, Livermento and Simeu out of the door. We'll ask Sam about Vale, the player, in a moment. But Dom, I just wonder how how impactful on, on Vale is it going to be in terms of his decision to stay or go that he, that he gets on a first-team bench? Because there's a difference between doing that a couple of times and then going back to the under-23s and, and actually getting some minutes, isn't there? It can it can look a bit tokenistic, as it maybe did with, with Liveramento toward the end of last season. Yeah, yeah, but it's hard to see how else you do it, given the, the number of options available to Chelsea. I mean, he will learn considerably from from every appearance on the bench, just watching the first team close up, being involved in that game day um, experience. Um, and even more so from travelling with the squad to, to Sweden for an away game in the Champions League. But it, it's always going to look slightly token until he, you know, gets some minutes on the pitch. Um, and to get minutes on the pitch, you've got to justify selection. And and at the moment, if he's, I know he's a versatile player that can play in a lot of positions, but he's he's not going to displace Ben Chilwell or Marcus Alonso at left wing back. Realistically, Chelsea have got countless numbers of attacking midfielders, and if he's going to play in sort of the left side of central midfield, then again, that's an area where they're well stocked. So, I think these are just these are probably just tasters of what 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 might await in the future if he continues his development and, and he continues benefiting from from training with the first team now and again. I would imagine that ultimately he's probably going to have to spend a bit of time out on loan um, before he, he sort of threatens to break into the, the Chelsea first team setup consistently. Yeah, he's only just turned 18 actually. Yeah. Sam, what, what type of a player is he? Where, where's he best suited from what you've seen of him? I would say in the... In the Chelsea first team setup, he'd, he'd take Ziyech's position would be where he'd most likely play. I think it would be left wing back at a, a stretch. Um, he's an attacking midfield player, creative, but I think more, um, you know, striking about him is his, his work rate, his endeavour, his attitude. I think there's a bit of Mason Mount about him. Um, not to say that he hasn't got, you know, the creative ability as well. And definitely capable of scoring some outstanding goals. I think that's been something that throughout the levels at Chelsea, uh, he's always likely to pull something out. So it's been there a long time uh, as well, but I think they're really pleased with his, his attitude. Doesn't seem to get, you know, carried away too high, too low. Um, yeah. So, so kind of out of the Mason Mount mold, um, easy for me to say, but, um, but yeah, I, I think someone who's definitely got a potential, career in the in the, in the football league we'll have to just wait and see what level but but so far you know for for what he's done for for club and for for England at various levels looking really promising 
Well, Chelsea's win, coupled with Juventus' defeat of Zenit, means the Blues need only a draw at home to the Italian side later this month to progress the knockout stages of the Champions League. Maybe that means Vale could be involved against Zenit on match day six. Uh, it's back to Premier League business for the Blues this weekend. We'll look ahead to the visit of Burnley to Stamford Bridge next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hey Siri, show me a pair of low wattage fixtures. Your search returned Malmo and Burnley. Thanks, Siri. Yep, it's the Clarets coming calling to West London this weekend as Premier League leaders Chelsea look to extend the gap at the top. Uh, we haven't had Thomas Tuchel's pre-match press conference, so we don't know if Mason Mount will be back. We're guessing that Kovacic, Werner and Lukaku will not. Uh, Dom, if you include the shootout success against Southampton, Chelsea have won the last eight games in a row. Are we still saying that they haven't hit their top form yet? Um... I think they've got more to give. You know, it's, it seems almost perverse to say that when they've walloped the team 7-0 a couple of weeks back and they were so dominant without... So dominant for long periods at Newcastle with, you know, and obviously the goals came in a bit of a rush in the second half, but they 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 were streets ahead of, of those opponents as they had been the previous week. But, you know, they were playing against the Premier League's bottom two. I think there's more to come. And I think that's that's that's... That's good for Tuchel. It's the number of players on the treatment table or in the treatment room, rather, at the moment is um, that alone. There's a lot of firepower there that's, that's still waiting to to really showcase itself in the Chelsea first team consistently. We haven't seen the best of Lukaku yet. We've been waiting a while to see the best of Timo Werner. Um, Mason Mount has. It was just coming into form, obviously, with the hat trick against Norwich when when he went down with the illness. So, um, hopefully, it's the the ground running when he returns. Um, but I think it's I think it's almost it's, it's it's more promising to suggest that 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 Chelsea haven't really hit their strides properly yet, and yet they're they're top of the league and extending that advantage. You know, with that win against Newcastle last weekend, so uh, it, it bodes very very well for the for the weeks and months to come. Last home league game was the 7-0 against Norwich. Fair to say Burnley will put up much more of a fight than that. General consensus, Sam, is that they'll go on a run and stay up. They got their first win last weekend. Do you think that that thinking is is about them and, and Sean Dyche and their experience of the league or, or is it just about how much dross there is at the bottom end of the division this season? <laughs> probably, probably more about Sean Dyche, I would say. Uh, if I was going to make a prediction now, they'd probably finish where they finished last year, 17th maybe one position above 16th, something like that. I think the 
Um, signing of Corne looks to be a, a great bit of business. Um, he's obviously in great form. So slightly different proposition in, in terms of the way they'll set up. He's probably got a bit more mobility um, in comparison to, to Barnes and Wood when they're paired together. So that's slightly different. But no, I, I just think, you know, I played with Sean Dyche. I made my debut alongside Sean Dyche and he was the most... Uh, he was the most meticulous bloke I've ever met. And go, leaving Chelsea to go to Mill, who were in Division 2 at the time, I thought it was a wind-up, to be honest. You know, I thought I'd be going down and having uh, an easy time. And this bloke was on me. He was so professional. I, yeah, Honestly, I had to ask for the, the other teammates. I mean, is this bloke for real? Or is he, you know, winding me up? And <laughs> he's taken that into his management. And it was 4-4-2, we played at Millwall, so maybe there's a bit of that as well. I had great success as well. They they got promoted to the championship, that that Millwall team, and went close to getting into the Premier League. So he played it himself as a as a player, now as a manager, very set in their ways. Um, obviously, there'll be a lot of set-piece problems they'll want to cause Chelsea. Um, but I just think everyone knows their job. And when you look at some of the other teams that are going to be down there battling, when you look at Newcastle, Watford, for example, do we know exactly what we're going to get from those sides right now? Those two in particular, no, absolutely not. No idea what Ranieri is going to serve up and and Newcastle likewise, especially with a, a change on the horizon. So I think that's what gives Burnley such a head start in, in staying in the league. And when you add in, like I touched on the, the new goal scorer, um, they look slightly improved from last year. So expecting Chelsea to win, but... Um, you will have the same the same test that that Burnley always throw at you. They're rugged, aren't they, Don? They're not necessarily easy on the eye, but I think they really add something to the Premier League because they are different to everybody else. You know? They are rigid, four four two, big man up front. They'll batter you about. It's a nice throwback. It's a nice counterpoint to what what we usually see from from other teams in the Premier League. I agree. I think now that that Roy Hodgson's left Palace, we don't have that many four four two old school teams in the in the division and 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 Burnley don't but Burnley are, must be horrible to play against and there's a reason why opposing managers get horrifically wound up by Sean Dyche and his teams I mean it's yes they're they're, they're physical and they're strong and they're aggressive and they're awkward but you know every single team out there and Sam will say this surely every single team out there used to be like that I mean it was it was just the way it was and and there's still definitely a a place in the in the division for, for teams like that. And, and they've shown over the last few years that they can more than hold their own. I mean, I, 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 I love Sean Dyche. I, I, I like that old school style, to be honest. That's just me. Um, I think it might ring a ring true with a few old school Chelsea supporters as well, who probably have a bit of grudging respect for, for everything he's done and, and, and the way his team's set up. Uh, they've got a bit more flair about them this year. You know, if, if, if McNeil and, and Corne fire, then they've, yeah, there's, there's a bit more pace and and bite to to them, but you you know that that Wood and Barnes, if he's involved, or Jay Rodriguez, even if he comes on, that they've got a real nastiness if if needed as well, and and, and they'll be they won't be pushovers. That they certainly won't be pushovers in the same way that Norwich were a few weeks back. They'll they'll resist and and be awkward and and nasty to play against. But fair play to them. Yeah, if you're going to Stamford Bridge on Saturday, by the way, just have a look down at the dugout and see Sean Dyche's shoes. They are absolutely immaculate at all times. He's a Northampton boy. He says, I love a good pair of handmade leather shoes. It's sad to see how the shoemaking industry has declined. Quite. 
Uh, Chelsea versus Burnley, a Saturday three o'clock kickoff here in the UK. We'll deal with the fallout on Monday's pod. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under-19s enjoyed a thumping win against Malmo in the UEFA Youth League. Hours before the seniors faced off, the youth won 5-0 thanks to a brace from Brian Fiabima and goals from Alfie Gilchrist, Lewis Hall and Charlie Webster. And they face Juventus next. The winner of that will likely win the group and thus go straight into the last 16. The team that finishes second faces a playoff against a qualifier from the domestic champions path. On Saturday, it's a Dom Derby double for the academy sides. Both the under-23s and under-18s have played Crystal Palace. And meanwhile, the women's team back in WSL action for the first time in almost a month this weekend. Emma Hayes' side away at Aston Villa on Saturday lunchtime. Blues currently three points behind leaders Arsenal, who don't play until Sunday. Arsenal's superior goal difference means Chelsea would need a thumping win to be top of the table come Saturday night. Right, Sam, Dom, good news. It's quiz time. Uh, here we go then, chaps. You, you know the score by now. Three questions each, based in some form or fashion on Chelsea and Burnley. Here we go. Dom, you're up first. Who scored the first goal of the Thomas Tuchel era when Chelsea beat Burnley at the bridge in January? It's a deep exhalation. Parking all ready, ready for the steal. Marcus Alonso. Oh, you're so close. Can you steal it, Sam? I can see it. It was um, Azpilicueta. Oh, it was. Back. Last goal that he scored. <laughs> Is that right? right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so Sam, you won the up having not answered your own question yet, which is a good place to be in. <laughs> Let's see if you can uh, build on that. 13 years ago this month, Burnley shocked Chelsea by knocking the Blues out of the League Cup on penalties at Stamford Bridge. On the bench for the Clarets that night was a member, a current member of their squad. Who was it? What year? 13 years ago. 2008. November. One all draw. Burnley won on penalties. Somebody didn't get off the bench, but he might feature this set. I'll go Ben Mee. It's not right, I'm afraid. Don, can you steal it? You aforementioned Rodriguez. I'm going to need a first name. Jay. <clears throat> it was Jay Rodriguez, yes. Ah. Wow, this is incredible scenes. One each after the other's questions. <laughs> Listener, try and contain your excitement <laughs> as we go to Dom's second. Uh, <laughs> Dom, what squad number does former Chelsea youth Jack Cork currently wear for Burnley? 
Producer Lucy's shaking her head at this. I thought this is a great question. Matt, you're the only man who likes squad numbers, surely. <laughs> no, surely. I know. This day and age. <laughs> so Jack Cork plays central midfield. So he's either going to be... Eight or four or something. Oh, God, I don't know. Probably number 56. Uh, four. Oh, it's correct. Magnificent. Oh, get it. Jack well, Cork. It's number four. <laughs> the Andy Gray number, the old day. Not that Andy Gray, the other one, the good one. Oh. Uh, right. 2 1 to Dom. Sam, here's your second question. And frankly, you've absolutely got to get this right. Which member of the Chelsea coaching staff played over 100 games for Burnley between 2005 and 2008? John Harley. Yes. Well done. AKA your best friend. If you hadn't got that right, there would have been a, a, a pretty big inquest into that. Have we ever had a pristine record on the on the I know we've answered each other's questions at one point, so we've had two incorrect answers, but have you ever had three three? No, but you just set yourself up for a four massively there. How many years we come to your final there are no social media questions this week. It's all a bit route one, actually. I'll have to jazz it up a bit next week. But here's your final question anyway, Dom. Which Chelsea Champions League winner scored his first goal in senior football whilst on loan at Burnley? Gary Cahill? Correct. Three for three. So you've got to get this, Sam, for it to be a draw. Uh, in August 2014, Chelsea started their season with a 3-1 win against Burnley at Turf Moor. Who mm. scored their first Blues goal in the game? The individual in question would go on to bag six in his first four Chelsea appearances. 2014? 2014. Yeah, the game is mainly remembered for that beautiful Fabregas pass for Schürrle's goal. Oh, God. No. Yeah, you do know this one, Sam. You do. Don't let yeah, us do. down. Think do about it. There's a, clue, there's a clue in the second part of the question. Got six in his first four. I've gone completely blank. Lightning start to his Blues career. Uh, Fifield poised to steal for the win as Parkin chews on his pen and hope that that jogs his memory. No, I've got nothing. Yeah, you do. Blank. Sam, you do. You're a big, nasty striker, <laughs> Sam, weren't you? You were a big, nasty, horrible striker. Come on. Go on then, Dom. Tell him. Was it not Diego misery. Costa? It was oh, Diego Costa, God. yeah. Probably the easiest Sorry. of the six questions, that one. Well, that's all right. Never mind, got, Dom, you got no, the win. We've, we've, got, we've answered all the questions right. We've never done that before. Literally all the questions have been, <laughs> written, been done right. I think that's a joint effort. All right. Take that. So the winner is all of us. That's that's nice. That's not good. you, Matt. You're never a winner. Uh, <laughs> oh, these no, that's true. <laughs> um, Dom, before we go, you've written about a current Chelsea loanee. Tell us a bit about Ian Martin and the link-up between Coventry and Chelsea. Yeah, it's quite an unlikely unlikely link on paper and, until you realise that A.D. Vivash is, is a member of Mark Robbins's coaching staff and he obviously spent such a long period of time um, in the academy setup at at Chelsea, um, they've got four players on the books at the moment uh, with with heavy Chelsea connections. In uh, Todd Kane, Fankati Dabo, uh, who uh, is a sort of playing right wing back for them and um, spent time at, at Chelsea. Jake Clark Salters on a season his latest season long loan at uh, in a Championship club, um, and. And Ian Martin joined in the summer as a sort of next stage in his development, having spent last season in League One at Charlton Athletic. He's now um, 
trying to test himself at at at, at championship level and and is generally doing a a really really good job i mean typical timing um i went off to to watch them play swansea in midweek and bearing in mind that coventry city who have got one of the smallest budgets in the championship i think it's in the bottom four three or four actually went into that game fourth in the in the division with um 27 points from their first 15 games and Unfortunately, they had a typically a, a, a really difficult start, conceded two early goals at home to Swansea, and ended up losing the game two one. But they're they're still up there; they're still fourth in the in the table. And, and Mark Robbins is is sort of pinching himself at how well it's all going there. But Martin, although he had some very very difficult moments up against Ethan Laird, a, a loney from Manchester United that night, um, he has got so much ability. Um, and he showcased it in the second half with his recovery really from a difficult start he's got a lot of pace he's great on the ball he's going forward he is a menace I mean his his left wing um, delivery first time delivery in particular is becoming a feature of Coventry's play and he'd set up a winner a few days previously at Hull City with a with a absolutely brilliant cross. Scored his first goal for the club uh, a few weeks back against Fulham in a four one defeat. And look how well Fulham are doing in that division. It's just the sort of defensive side of the game that I think he's he's having to work on and positioning. But as a as a as a wing back with a, in a back three, he's spending long periods of matches entrenched in in the opponent's half and 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 has really made a very, very favourable impression at Coventry City and in the Championship. And I, I know I know there's a sort of cynicism out there about a lot of these young Chelsea talents going out and, and um, playing a lot of um, games in, on loan in the lower divisions. Um, and I suppose you could point to Clark Salter's, um, sort of the number of loan spells that he's had to endure. And, you know, he's 24 now and, and still technically on Chelsea's books. But Martin's got something about him, and I think at Chelsea they look at him and think, "Well, if he does well there, um, you know, Marcus Alonso's in his thirties, Emerson's off at, at Lyon with a possibility of that loan becoming permanent in the summer. It, it may well be that there's an opportunity to be a backup to, to Ben Chilwell or even to compete with Ben Chilwell um, under Thomas Tuchel next season. So his his progress is being noted with interest. Yeah, he did play for the first team, didn't he, against Grimsby and. Uh... Frank Lampard a couple of years ago. Uh, Sam, this kind of comes back to something we spoke about on Monday with, with the respective fortunes of Conor Gallagher and Billy Gilmore this season. But I guess with alone, you know, you were talking about yours at Millwall earlier in the pod. You need luck to go your way. You need the manager to take a shine to you. But it's got to be about attitude towards it as well, hasn't it? You know, you look at Marks and you think, obviously, this is kind of planned for him. But he's gone League One to Championship. There's a career progression that's, that's quite obvious to see there. But it's still up to the player to get their head around it and, and make the most of these temporary moves so that you don't spend your whole career making them like it seems Clark Salter is doing. Yeah, and the attitude of these players going from Chelsea and the other elite academies the elite Premier League clubs to lower league clubs that's I wouldn't call it a battle but you have to go with the right mindset otherwise you won't be accepted by your peers let alone the the, the manager so that was always the first battle to get your head around it and to, to be a good team player from what I've heard you know the now current caretaker manager at Charlton Athletic Johnny Jackson said that Martin was exemplary last year they loved him 
Um, completely agree with Dom. It's defensively where he needs to improve. He took too long on the ball at times in, in League One football. So in the Championship, you're going to get even less time. But going forward where he was deployed at Charlton in midfield quite often, they loved him. So um, he, he's got a great opportunity and it really helps having, obviously, um, a huge supporter of these lads, I'm, I'm sure, in AD Vibash at the club. So, you know, I played with AD as well. Um, Who shouted at you more, him or Sean Dyche? <laughs> Sean Dyche. A- AD was brilliant. <laughs> AD was in his last year as a player. I was in one of my, my, my first years at Swindon. Um, and I remember a really great conversation we had after a heart-wrenching playoff defeat and something that stuck with me for years. So I've got a lot of time for AD. He doesn't smile much, um, but he's definitely the he's definitely the brains behind what Don was describing there in what, what is quite a sophisticated setup at Coventry. Play a lovely brand of football, and I know that Darbo has become a great success there. And I'm sure Martin and um, and Clark Sorter will go on and have a great year this year. But but yeah, you you got to get the right club, uh, and of course your attitude has got to be got to be there. And you know, I think I think having AD at the club and uh, and the lads. Um, you know, having the right attitude, it'll be a, a recipe for success. You can't leave that hanging, Sam. What did he actually say in the conversation? <laughs> well, we did, I just had um, two teeth removed by an opponent's boot and um, we'd lost in the playoff semi-final and I was shattered, to be honest, because it was kind of a, it was a big moment really where I realised that my Swindon career was probably coming to an end, um, which was was saddening. Um, and AD just said, you've got, you got bigger fish to fry, basically. This is just the start for you and, and get your head around it. And it, it was really nice thing for him to do because he wasn't featuring at all. He'd been cast aside early part of that season. And, you know, no one would have forgiven him if he would not even come in the dressing room. You know, he was miles away from it. So from someone who had had a really good career, actually, at Reading and and Swindon on a couple of occasions, it, it meant a lot. And he was a, he was a really good... Um, uh, role model for the, for the younger players around the place. So no, no surprise that he's gone into to coaching. And despite the, the stern exterior, wherever I was at Cobham, I'd just bounce into his dressing room and everyone would be like that. Just <laughs> astonished that I had, had the, the balls to walk into A.D. Vivash's uh, office because, um, yeah, I think he's quite a, he's quite an intimidating character, you know, on the sideline as, uh, as Matt certainly uh, witnessed at, at various games. Yeah, and maybe somebody who doesn't get the the credit that is due to him for for what's happened with the Chelsea Academy over the last few years. It was him who was in charge of the 2015 and 2016 UEFA Youth League victories. He asked Fakaya Tamori, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Tammy Abraham what they think of A.D. Vivash, and they'll say that he played a big part in their careers too. Uh, Right, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to read Dom's piece and everything blue related on the site. That'll do us for today though many thanks to Sam to Dom and to producer Lucy mainly to you though listener for tuning in we'll see you back here Monday until then have a great weekend bye for now The Athletic